Going indoors, Dayu sat down by the moon window to take her medicine. Light reflected from the bamboos outside passed through the gauze of the window to make a green gloom within, lending a cold, aquarian look to the floor and the surfaces of the furniture. To keep her spirits up in these somewhat cheerless surroundings, she spoke teasingly to the parrot, hanging on the other side of the gauze, until he jumped and squawked on his perch, after which she taught him a few snatches of her favourite poems. everybody welcome back to another installation of rereading the stone this is kevin wilson joined as always by william jones will Hello. how are things with you today uh spectacular <laughs> as always okay um blazing sunshine outside you know incredibly hot and i think that fits the setting of this chapter perfectly which we're still in we're still in the heat of summer mm -hmm. um yeah, and um, and so everyone is sheltering indoors, trying to avoid the heat. How about you? I am uh, doing excellently. Uh, it's also pretty hot here. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to uh, enjoy, yeah, and trying to enjoy the outdoors, but maybe the the shaded portions of uh, of those spaces. Yeah. Um, so this week we are we're working on chapter thirty five. This is uh, in the Hawks translation. Sulky silver tastes some lotus leaf soup and golden oriole knots a flower patterned fringe. So you, you can kind of tell from the title that uh, maybe this chapter is um, kind of uh, steering toward the quotidian. Uh, but in that capacity, there's a lot of great details, um, a, lo a lot of kind of um, nuance to kind of uh, investigate. Mm. Uh, how, about, how about before we uh, do any of that, though? Do you want to give the recap um, sure. for the last chapter? So in, in, in the previous chapter, um, our main character, Jabayu, is recovering from the beating he received at the hands of his father. He is visited by a string of well-wishers, uh, including his two cousins, Xue Baochai and Lin Dayu, who are also his love interests, uh, and other members of the family. Um, at one point, his lead maidservant, uh, Aroma, or uh, Xiran in Chinese, is called away to meet with his mother, Lady Wang. Uh, and Aroma impresses Lady Wang with her kind of understanding and um, perception of what uh, what it is that Bao Yu needs to, to kind of put him back on the right track. Uh, and then finally, Xiao Baochai and her mother, Aunt Xue, they both confront 
Xuepan, uh, so that's Xuepan Chai's older brother, uh, for his alleged role in causing Baoyu's beating. So if you remember from the previous chapter to this one, Baoyu was beaten by his father for two reasons. One of them was that he had been cavorting with uh, an actor uh, who was part of the household of the Prince of Zhongshun, mm. um, one of the royal princes. Uh, and then this, this, this actor had fled from the household and nobody could find him. And when interrogated about this, Baoyu refused uh, to reveal any details. And the suggestion was that Xuepan, out of jealousy, had, um, you know, had kind of, um, had snitched on Baoyu, as it were. Um, and so the others believe he's partly to blame for Baoyu's beating. But Xuepan pleads ignorance. Um, and in fact, he's rather insulting to Xue Bao Chai. Um, and where we leave, th where we leave things, um, Xue Bao Chai has gone back to her own chambers for the night, has slept a rather fitful night's sleep and wakes up early to return to her mother's. Mm -hmm. um, and as she's walking through the garden, she passes Lin Dayu, who makes a kind of slightly snide comment to her as she passes. And that's where the chapter ends. Um, and so where this one begins is with um, Baochai hearing that comment, but being in such a rush that she doesn't have time to respond. Now, you and I were talking just beforehand. We, we plotted out a summary of this chapter, and it's very kind of domestic, and it's made up of a series of small scenes. Mm -hmm. You counted, I think, did you say 25 separate plot points? Yeah, like major kind of uh, bullet points. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, the summary... Though it's a summary, is it going to be a bit longer? Um, okay. And just bear in mind that, yeah, this is a, a chapter where lots of different things happen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's rather quick moving, I suppose. Um, so, from the top, Shua Chai is walking past. She hears Dayu's snide comment, but she's in a rush, and so she doesn't respond. She um, hurries on to her mother's chambers. Meanwhile, we stay with Dayu, who is sitting in the shade of a tree outside the House of Green Delights, which is Baoyu's chambers, um, watching people come and go, um, who are all you know visiting him because of his recent beating. Uh, and then one of her maids comes along to find her and tells her that she's got to return home and take her medicine because she has this kind of chronic sickness. She, Dayu, this is, returns home in a kind of depressed state over uh, her orphanhood um, but her mood is lifted by her parrot um, and we leave her there Bao Chai meanwhile has gone to see her mother um, and she discusses the previous night's argument with Xue Pan he then emerges in a very hungover state and he pleads forgiveness from both of them eventually breaking down in tears um, Bao Chai and her mother then leaves to go and visit Bao Yu finding several other members of the family there including Bao Yu's mother and grandmother and uh, Wang Xifeng, one of the other important women of the household. Bao Yu, amid many offers of food, drink, and anything else he could desire, decides to order a kind of soup that he once saw, which is a kind of clear broth with pieces of dough floating in it. And those pieces of dough are shaped like lotus leaves and flowers and, and, and the like. Uh, the others are initially baffled, but in the end, they decide to make lots of soup, uh, lots of this soup for everyone to, to try out. In the ensuing conversation, uh, Wang Xifeng 
mocks Grandmother Jia in her usual kind of friendly way, leading to a discussion of how, uh, you know, sharp-tongued um, and witty Grandmother Jia used to be in her youth. Um, but, but she's now kind of, she's gone soft with old age. Uh, talk then passes to discussion of the different members of the family. And Grandmother Jia reveals that uh, of all her, you know, grandchildren, uh, Xue Baochai is her favourite. Grandmother Jia, Wang Xifeng and the others then depart, but not before Bao Yu asks one of Bao Chai's maids, Oriel, to visit him later and help with some braiding, basically, a kind of embroidery, uh, which we'll talk about later. So then Grandmother Jia, Wang Xifeng, etc. stop to eat at Lady Wang's chambers, and while they're eating, Xifeng insists on, on waiting on the older ladies and serving them rather than eating herself. Oriel, the, um, the maid of Xue Bao Chai, then heads over to Bao Yu's chambers to help with the braiding. And she is accompanied by one of Lady Wang's maids, Silver, uh, who is carrying some food from the meal over to give to Bao Yu. Uh, now, Silver is the sister of Golden, uh, one of Lady Wang's former maids who drowned herself after she was sacked. And the reason for her sacking was Bao Yu's own indiscretion, shall we say. So Bao Yu is therefore rather bashful in her presence, and he makes many efforts to kind of win her over. Uh, eventually, we could say he maybe does to an extent. Uh, at this point, two old ladies are admitted to Bao Yu's room. They are sent from the household of um, a man called Fu Shi, who is one of the uh, kind of educated but poor young men who are patronized by Bao Yu's father, Jia Zheng. Um, Fu Shi is considering marrying his sister, Qiu Fang, to Bao Yu. Um, and he sent these, um, these two old ladies to have a look at him and see what he's like. Uh, however, they leave quite quickly, having formed a very bad impression of him. Uh, finally, we have a discussion between Bao Yu, Oriol, uh, Aroma and Bao Chai, about different forms of braiding and which colours match within a given braid. Uh, now, the braid that Oriol is to make for Bao Yu is for him to hang his magic jade on, basically. And that's pretty much where we leave the chapter. Okay, great, yeah. Hmm. And so you, you can really get a sense that there's a lot going on. Some of it is uh, like kind of more uh, standout than other parts. Uh, for me, I, I kind of took particular interest in the, uh, I thought the parrot scene was really good, as well as um, yeah. something you, I, I think you, you uh, kind of passed over quickly in your summary, the uh, mm. the whole interaction between Silver and Bao Yu, in particular, the, the question of their, um, of serving Bao Yu soup, right, uh, which is, mm -hmm. actually, that's one of the things featured in the title of the um of the chapter. And so in, in the Hawks translation, it's uh, sulky silver tastes some lotus leaf soup and golden oriole knots a flower patterned fringe, which I mentioned a moment ago. But um, mm. there's something interesting going on here where I, I want to talk to you first of all about what do you think about Hawks? So Hawks has rendered of what in the original is actually um, uh, Yutron as silver. And so I guess yeah. that can be compared to 
you see what he's doing here, right? Where um, uh, Utron literally is Jade Bracelet. And that is um, yeah. still kind of parallel to um, uh, Jintron, a gold bracelet, the the maid who uh, committed suicide by um, throwing herself into the well. Um, yeah. And that's kind of a, like a major, that, that's the, the cloud that hangs above this chapter. And in particular, the interactions between Bao Yu and um, what Hawks is rendering silver. But which is actually more literally yeah. something like a jade bracelet. And so what do you think Hawks was just like too much jade? I, I've had enough. You can't have any more jade characters. <laughs> I'm calling this one silver. Do you think is that what's Yeah, do you think he was here? just like, I'm just sick to the back teeth of Jade? No more Jade. I mean, even even I mean, Crimson actually was also uh, you know, like literally red jade. That's her hmm. her name, right? Or or or, or yeah. had am I, am I misremembering? Uh, it was originally her it was name. originally was, yeah it was changed okay. to Hong, so little red so that wasn't hawks's innovation then but no he often does um slightly for example we had a description of two jade colored butterflies which he changed to turquoise for example oh um, right yeah uh, um that uh like Chai was sort of um like chasing after <laughs> yeah yeah I, and uh, look i understand it on one level which is in English, gold goes with silver much more than it does with jade. Uh, with jade, right? When you think of uh, obviously because golden and silver, as they're known, the two maids are sisters, and so they kind of go together as a pair almost. And I, I yeah, I guess to the average English language reader, you would much more naturally pair gold with silver than gold with jade. Although mm -hmm. I suppose, although I suppose, yeah, culturally that doesn't exist to the same extent in in chinese um i mean i've um, seen a fair amount of like like tong poetry where gold is paired with silver um oh okay but okay. yeah but i guess here it's interesting for us to uh highlight this because maybe that's something going on in terms of the the metaphor the the metaphysics yeah. of this novel right I, I i agree i think that i think that's it isn't it because gold and jade being paired is such like a consistent mm -hmm such a consistent thing throughout here the jade representing Bao, Bao Yu and the gold representing Bao Chai because each of them wears a pendant and Bao Yu's is jade and Bao Chai's is gold and there's lots of talk of there was some prophecy when she was given the locket that she would only marry someone with a with a jade pendant to match or something you know some that, that, that kind of thing um, so yeah I suppose it's kind of reinforcing that point I guess even in the, the chapter title, I guess we're uh, like uh, keeping good on our um, motivation to to take the chapter titles more seriously, right? We started last last chapter doing this. What Hawks has as um, sulky silver taste, some lotus leaf soup. In the original, it's it's actually kind of a, a specialist term, uh, chin chang, and so mm. uh, chin in this case would be it's like one, one's relatives. Um, and so chinchang is basically to taste it for you. But the, the, the kind of the, the history of that term, it has like really deep, uh, what could be characterized as Confucian roots. One of the earliest instances I could find was the, there's a passage from the, the classic of rites, the Li Ji, which we discussed, I think, a mm -hmm. few times in the show, um, where 
a, a filial son. Actually, here it's supposed to be uh, King King Wen, his son, I guess. So all the way back to the uh, the Western Zhou, his son was was said to um, taste his father's medicine before uh, before serving it to him. Oh. So the the, okay. the the original this so this old expression from over two thousand years ago reads, "Ji jiao bi qin changzhe." So you have to uh, you have to first taste it yourself. I kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so what's interesting here is it, it's like it's an instance of Bao Yu kind of uh, perverting the um, this like uh, almost a Confucian ritual for his own kind of um, maybe like uh, illicit games that he's playing with silver That's and arguably sure. with other um, maidservants in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's, that's, that's kind of the uh, the referential kind of space we're, we're jumping into here. I guess the only point is that I would make is that I think as you were suggesting at before, or as you were hinting at before, there's the subtitle of the chapter does reinforce the jade gold dichotomy i suppose like it would you know the pairing of the two so the first line as you say is begins by yu tran so literally white jade mm-hmm. bracelet i.e silver the maid and the second line begins huang mm-hmm. Ying, so yellow gold aureole so the the maid aureole um, and so once again in, in parallel positions you have jade and you have gold and so it's just reinforcing the, the pairing of the two. And actually the verbs are uh, parallel as well. So qin chang is parallel with uh, qiao jie. And actually that's the same. Mm. I remember toward the beginning, we, we spent some time thinking about um, kind of the how qiao like, uh, is used, whether it's just kind of this like serendipity. Um, mm-hmm. And so that seems to be another kind of parallelism where qin chang speaks to this like... Um, this like deep uh, kind of like uh, familial connection and filial piety and so on and so forth. Whereas um, mm-hmm. Chao Jie is like a kind of a more f- fortuitous bond, right? Yeah. Yeah, Chao can be kind of like both like, as you say, like fortuitous. It can be like with great skill, something like that mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I think there's the deliberate like duality of meaning there or like there's deliberate like... I think it's deliberately like ambiguous, I suppose. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, we, we've a lot to talk about. That's it's kind of like we can't talk about the title all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. So, as we said, the opening of the chapter is Bao Chai walking past Dayu, and Dayu's made this kind of sarcastic comment about her, about how she shouldn't cry on Bao Yu's behalf because all of her tears won't make the slightest bit of difference. And so. Dayu herself, this is very, very kind of characteristic of her. Um, she's standing in the shade of a tree, so she's kind of lurking in the darkness, in the gloom. Mm-hmm. And she is watching people come and go. So she's not much involved in the actual, um, really like in the comings and goings of the house. She, she, she isn't necessarily like socializing with other people and getting involved. She's, she prefers to kind of be on her own uh, or be with Baoyu, mm-hmm. but not really to be with everyone else. And this is actually commented on later in the chapter, I suppose. Yeah, um, uh, during lunch, right? Yeah, there's this expectation that, well, she just never shows up for lunch, you know, so so people no longer expect her to be there. And um, 
she's watching people arrive at the house and she's feeling quite kind of sad that um whereas Baoyu has this stream of family and friends coming to visit she due to her mother and father both being dead is kind of an orphan kind of alone you know and i think is quite insecure about that point uh-huh um and, and we've seen this before at this point it, it almost seemed as if like the author was intentionally like uh sort of emphasizing that she she returns to these kind of um issues over and over again that she's kind of fixated mm-hmm. a bit uh to the point that my interpretation not to like uh give it away too soon but is that when we have later the uh the parrot sort of like echoing uh her sentiments i interpreted that as kind of like a a sort of critique of her character <laughs> like like she she's so like repetitive in her uh angst that even like a parrot can like you might as well just yeah. set up a, a tape recorder kind of <laughs> do a good impression of her yeah because it's, it's, yeah. it's the same thing like the same notes are struck uh during each performance kind of thing i think so yeah and so while she's there in, in a kind of funk um her uh her maid comes up behind her mm-hmm. um nightingale and she says she's got to come come home and take her medicine dayu of course responds to this rationally and sensibly uh <laughs> obviously just kidding she she says who cares you know like you're always fussing what does it matter to you whether i take my medicine or not um (laughs) you know the 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 chinese here really tickled me did you like did you sort of i I really liked what let me read it here uh like like what's it got to do with you yeah if i if i eat it or not yeah if i take the medicine or not what has it got to do with you? <laughs> it's so funny because it it has like a lot of attitude, but it's it's still like archaic. Yeah. You know, nobody would say that nowadays. <laughs> yeah. um, but you can see like the echoes of things people would say in modern, uh, like mm-hmm. in Mandarin. Uh, so I, I thought it was like a really kind of enjoyable passage. It's like I don't know. It, it reminded, yeah, like seeing like a an archaic form of archaic attitude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very like teenage angst. Her whole her whole right. deal. Um, I think it's also maybe because she's there, like sitting in the dark, spying on people, being all kind of stealthy, and then suddenly Nightingale's behind her saying, "Come on, take your medicine," and she's like, taken by surprise, perhaps, you know. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe it's that being taken by surprise that provokes the outburst in the first place. Anyway, thankfully Night- Nightingale is completely, you know, unflustered by this. She's used yeah. to it. Yeah, she yeah. she she knows what the deal is. She kind of laughs off and she says, "You know, come on." You've only just started getting better. You've got to keep taking your medicine. And if you stand here in the, in the kind of, I think it's sort of morning time. So yeah, it's kind of there's, there's some dew or like moisture still on the ground, and you know, there may mm. still be a kind of chill in the air. And so yeah, Dayu agrees to return home. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, I think <clears throat> the point that you were making before about the parrot is, we really see it here as they enter the courtyard. She sees. The ground kind of covered in these uneven shadows from the sunlight shining through the bamboo mm-hmm. and there are these traces of light and dark playing on the the kind of moss i think is the way i the way i kind of understood it um yeah what, what hawk says as they entered the courtyard the checkered shadows of the bamboos and the dew pearled moss reminded her of two lines she had read in the western chamber and that the lines are a place remote where footsteps seldom pass 
and dew still glistens on the untrodden grass. Um, mm-hmm. And so this makes her sad because she's thinking of, you know, how in that play, even though the characters are beset by hardships, they still have uh, Ying Ying, the, 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 the main female character. She still has a, a mother and a brother. Um, whereas I, Dayu, have, have no one. And so she's about to kind of sink into another kind of depressed state when her, um, her parrot comes flying out of nowhere. Well, first, he, he, he seems almost to give a command. Um, my interpretation was that this is something that he hears mm-hmm. a lot. So it's basically uh, the command for uh, Snow Goose to, to open the curtains yeah. because the, the, you know, the lady of the house has returned. <laughs> and so it's not clear. I don't think our parrots like smart enough actually to like, I don't think he knows what that sentence means or not. I, I don't know. It depends. I, 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 <laughs> I, <laughs> I just realized like halfway through, like, I, I don't know. I, I think could I, a parrot give a command like that. Maybe it, it, it could. I mean, I, I don't want to get like too far off topic, but some parrots show like a remarkable level of intelligence. Right. They're pretty they, high. Right. They, they do kind of know what they're, they do actually know a bit what they're saying. Um, yeah. So, you know, they, um, Apparently, the smartest ones are African grey parrots. Uh, presumably, that's not what this one is. But um, they're capable of some really, like, remarkable stuff. Um, but, but yeah, even if not, I mean, they're just kind of like agents of chaos, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, in the situation, that even if the parrot doesn't know exactly what's going on, it probably has seen Dayu returning and asking for Snow Goose or one of the other maids to raise the blind for her to come in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's what it does, yeah. But it, it doesn't end there. So after, I think Dayu talks to it a little bit, and then, like out of nowhere, the the parrot recites a line from a from a, a Dayu poem, mm-hmm. uh, which I interpret as um, uh, some pretty impressive trolling. <laughs> it's, it's it's mockery, isn't it? Because it, it it is. It's one of the most like uh, I want to say like. I don't know, like black saccharine lines, like yeah. like kind of like cliche goth. The line from the, uh, I think it was chapter. Do you remember which chapter that was? I can't um, off the top of the, my head. The, the flower burial mm. poem. Yeah. We spent some time discussing it. So. We did, we did, yeah. Um, and it reads uh, in the Hawks translation, let others laugh flower burial to see another year who will be burying me. Uh, so it's just like, you know, like who's going to bury, if yeah. I bury the flowers, who buries the flower barrier? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And it, it is, you're right. It's very melancholic, but it's also rather like, um, what's the word? Uh, cliche. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's like, it's a bit kind of theatrical. It's sort of slightly hyperbolic, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, you know, okay, yeah. like, woe is me. I'll be, I'll be dead. Um, uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um. And so when Dayu realizes she's been made fun of by the bird, she actually does break out laughing, as does Nightingale, her maid. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely, the parrot satirizes her her kind <laughs> yeah. of bleakness of outlook. Which I, I thought was a really nice, because that, that's how I was feeling after another, like, woe is me speech, yeah. you know, in the in the shade of the tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought that was a good kind of, compositional choice uh and then dayu uh endeavors to teach the uh parrot uh some better lines Mm. right uh and and that's kind of where that um part of the um the chapter breaks off and then we 
we now turn to Bao Chai. Yeah. And so she had been, what, she'd been hurrying off to see her that morning. She'd left her the previous night after the argument with Shuapan, but she'd, she'd hurried around this morning. And they're kind of dealing with the, the aftermath of that whole, that whole fight argument. And so there's kind of more crying here. Mm. I was saying before the show that I don't have any like special insights into this section. Uh, although it is kind of interesting to see how weak almost uh, Shrepan comes across. Mm. The opposite to his kind of brazen and even like cruel public persona is this sort of um, like overly sensitive and uh, yeah, kind of crybaby, you know. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, so maybe that's kind of an interesting psychological insight. I, I, I could see that being. I see the I see the truth to that kind of um, dynamic existing. Yeah, well, if we, I mean, if we remember from the night before, the 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 argument in part was, uh, Bao Chai and Aunt Shua blamed Shuapan for spreading rumors, causing Bao Yu to be beaten. But in this case, he was in fact completely innocent of the accusation, and so as a result, was unaware what they were talking about mm -hmm. and they took his genuine ignorance for feigned ignorance and hence this kind of argument and um i guess part of it was um Shrepan then says that you know balchai is only sticking up for Yu because she has kind of designs on marrying him and mm -hmm. and so of course she would mm -hmm. say that etc um um so yeah lots to apologize for this morning um among other things, he says that he will swear off drinking for good, which I uh, <laughs> I don't expect that's going to go very well. Some of these promises remind me of the kinds of promises that Bao Yu makes. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's also kind of um, whether this section is also a critique indirectly of kind of, of Bao Yu for, for resembling Shri Pan so much. That, you know, it's kind of, it shows the problems in his own character mm -hmm. uh, among other things to make up for it he also suggests um that he might buy some um nice new clothes for bao chai um or indeed indeed he might re-gild her necklace so so the necklace is presumably made of some other metal with a a layer of gold uh mm -hmm. on the outside which, which is interesting to me but just in in passing because i had assumed it was kind of pure gold and i, I wonder if we're fake. supposed to understand yeah are we supposed to understand anything about the about it being merely gilded you know so it's yeah. just a just a facade um is there is there some kind of implied symbolic meaning there um or maybe i'm <laughs> maybe i'm reading too much into it um but anyway both of these offers are turned down by bao chai she says i don't need any fancy new clothes and the necklace is fine um and this maybe kind of speaks to her, um, the kind of moral purity of her character. She won't be bribed with, um, mm -hmm. with like pretty things into forgiving him. Um, right. Uh, it also kind of demonstrates his own superficiality that he can't think of. Um, there's nothing more substantive he can do to improve their relationship mm. because their relationship lacks substance. All, all it is is you know this kind of um, surface level uh, kind of uh, exchanges and interactions. Mm -hmm. So after all of this, 
um, Aunt Xue and Xue Ba Chai go over to see Bao Yu. And he is, uh, as usual, um, <laughs> he's kind of overwhelmed with, with visitors, well-wishers. Yeah, this has been going on for a while now, right? <laughs> yeah. And so he has to kind of politely chat to each of them. I guess it's kind of a similar dynamic. So like everyone wants to kind of show their um, uh, condolences and for, for Bao Yu, but nobody knows how to do it. And so like, as is often the case in these kinds of like family interactions, all of this energy and uncertainty is all channeled into food consumption. <laughs> mm. You know, it's like, well, you, you, you just came home. It's been a long trip. You, you should eat something. You know, you're stressed. You should eat something. It's, it's a solution to everything. They, they all say the same thing, right? Which is if you want anything at all, you know, anything to eat or drink, you know, just let me know. And, you know, if everyone makes the offer, then who do you ask? <laughs> who do you turn to um, if you want, <laughs> you want something to eat? Um, anyway, Bayou does, in fact, decide that... Um, he would like something to eat. Yes. Uh, specifically, he would like this lotus leaf soup. Okay. Um, yeah. So what's the story with the soup? That's a good question, right? Um, have you ever had uh, lian ye gong? <laughs> I have not, no. Uh, as I was saying before the show, I have had alphabeti spaghetti, which is probably the closest thing I can imagine to this, um, as we'll see. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, so have, have have you ever had this? I don't know how common this is. Mm-mm. Based on my like very cursory internet searches, I searched for this term, and everything I got was related to Dream of the Red Chamber, like people trying to recreate, you know, historical uh, recipes, which makes me think that it's not um, yeah. the most common item in existence and even you know even in mm. the story there's some indication like oh how do you remember that that's that's kind of a obscure choice right uh and yeah. and, and there's some difficulty in um uh, shifang is relevant here there's some difficulty in finding the uh like special you need some kind of special molding utensils to to make these um uh these yeah. kind of like cube-like yeah, it seems like the there are there are kind of molds a bit like a bit like if you have you ever had like novelty ice cubes? You know, you get ice cubes in the shape of like um, penguins or like uh, okay, yeah, anything I guess. Like the, the, I am imagining molds just like that, you know. Um, but in this case, made of made of silver rather than like plastic or silicon. I think it's made just of of a kind of dough. Um, let me just see. So hold on, I'll, I'll 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 read the section. So they have to search around for them for ages to find them, but eventually they do. There are four molds fitted into a single box. They were made of silver, a foot or so long and about an inch wide. Along the face of each mold were rows of very finely cut dyes, each about the size of a bean, thirty or forty on each mold. On one of the molds, the dyes were in the shape of chrysanthemums. On another of plum flowers, on the third of lotus pods and leaves, and on the remaining one of caltrops. So, yeah, I, I think the idea is that you make you make some kind of dough, and then you you pour it into these molds. It's nice. It's nice to look at. It's probably um, at least somewhat tasty. Mm-hmm. 
it, it sounds, but it does kind of sound like the kind of thing that a kid would like. It's a bit of a childish, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Like it's kind of it, like, like you were saying, like alphabet soup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it is quite kid-like, isn't it? But we hear that it was actually originally made for when Her Grace visited, and I think that is a reference to Yuan Chun, um, you know, the Baoyu's older sister who's now an imperial concubine. Um, okay. And so maybe he wants to think back to that time by eating this. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so once they found these molds, Xifeng decides that she is, um, rather than just making it for Baoyu, she wants to make lots and lots to share for, uh, for everyone to share, mm-hmm. for everyone to taste. Um, or at least all of the family members. Did you think at all that these... Um, there's a few moments in this chapter that I think, oh, oh, oh this isn't merely uh, details. These are like, these are symbols for this kind of, this universe. And so this is one of the moments where I'm like, well, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, if there's one of four molds, one of them's chrysanthemum, which is going to be... Um, which is going to be relevant in a few chapters from now mm-hmm. when they yeah. do the chrysanthemum poems. Uh, then plum flowers, you know, that's that's a kind of a, a ripe symbol for like for romance. Um, well, the 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 braiding right? that the braiding that Oriole is going to do later in the chapter is a plum flower braid. Um, right. And that's also another moment where I, I, I was I started to like think like, OK, well, these these choices of colors aren't random. This yeah. is probably symbolic as well, right? And so I guess, yeah, like in the uh, in the like the the mold of the flower universe, are these the four types: chrysanthemum, plum flowers, lotus pods, and the last one is caltrops, mm. which uh, relates back to another. Caltrop is going to be an important character, even though like we haven't really heard yeah, that much about her that much in a while. Yeah. They've only like it seems like every every once in a while in the chapter they'll mention her just so you don't forget that she still exists. I think. Yeah, yeah. So so in this chapter we had a very passing reference where Shuapan said he would send Caltrop to go and make some tea and pour it for them to drink. Right. But Balchai said no, thank you. We're we're leaving. <laughs> so that that was the that was the that was the required reference to her. That was the compulsory mm-hmm. obligatory obligatory reference to Caltrop. So I, I don't know, but I, I, I kind of took note there. Um, I have a little more to say about the the symbolism later okay. with the, the fabrics. I think it's a little more to chew on. You're right that it's not random, but I also don't know exactly what to make of the of the symbolism. So, um, Xifeng orders lots of it made, and she decides to pay for it out of her own account rather than putting it on the kind of the public not the public purse, but the household purse, as it were. And this is also going to be something discussed a bit in the next chapter. The question of, you know, household accounts and who gets paid what and, like, the different size of people's allowances and the payments to the servants and so on. And so we can see that there's, uh, although they are um, a very wealthy household, there is still quite a lot of um, kind of jostling or competition or concern about who pays for what and, you know, uh, the question of money overall. Yeah, there is this, like this um internal economy which is not entirely divorced from you know i guess like external uh exchange rates <laughs> and stuff like that they're they're not so rich that they can just yeah n- not consider these things at all i suppose mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. 
Well, okay, so the conversation then turns to the kind of discussion of different members of the family. And so it begins with Bao Chai observing that Xifeng, who's known for her kind of sharp tongue and quick wit, Bao Chai observes that Xifeng, although she may be very artful, she says, I don't believe that in all the years I've been here, I've ever seen her get the better of Lady Jia, i.e. Grandmother Jia. And Grandmother Jia responds that, you know, being an old woman, what use would she have of artfulness? But that when she was Xifeng's age, she could have taught her a thing or two. You know, she, um, when she was a younger woman, she was much more kind of um, sharp and, and witty. And perhaps that's why she is so fond of Xifeng as a person and of her rather like caustic, um, rather like sharp wit. Um, it's because mm -hmm. it kind of reminds her when, of, of herself when she was younger. Right. And, and so Bao Yu tries to uh, convert this comment into a, like a, a positive remark about Dai Yu, mm. but it just doesn't, it doesn't land. Mm. She, um, <laughs> yeah, Bao Yu says, you know, well, just to take it back a little bit, Grandmother Jia says, when, when she's uh, talking about how similar she was to Xifeng when she was a young woman, she then goes on to observe that Lady Wang, i.e. her daughter, Bao Yu's mother, is quite the opposite. She's like, she's like wood. <laughs> I, yeah. I read that and chuckled, you know, it's like quite rude. And she says it in her presence, but, you know, <laughs> um, apparently this is just accepted as an observation. And so Bao Yu says, well, it sounds like you really only like you know the talkers, the 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 ones who are kind of quick-witted and sharp-tongued. Um, and grandmother Jia says, "Oh no, you know, I like I do enjoy the ones who are, are a bit more silent, a bit more kind of peaceful. Um, sometimes, you know, one can get tired of always being around quick talkers." And so Bao Yu says, "Ah, well, uh, you know, in that case, um, I was going to say, you know, if only if the only ones you liked were quick talkers, then the only people you would like in this household are Xifeng and." And Dayu, because Dayu, as we know, is also quite a quick-witted. Um, mm -hmm. She's capable of of um, a barbed remark or two, um, although often her barbed remarks are not intended in a playful way that Xifeng's are. Okay, um, yeah. And so Baoyu mentions Dayu in the hope that this may, um, yeah, cause Grandmother Jia to offer some praise in her favor. But mm -hmm. as we see, it kind of backfires. Yeah. So instead, she. Uh... She praises Bao Chai, and this is kind of continuing in sort of a pattern of uh, various members of the family uh, favoring Bao Chai over Dai Yu. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw this, for instance, in Yuan Chun's gifts. Yes. We've also seen, I think, a few other places as well. And so, yeah, Grandmother Jia says, um, yeah, of all of all the all the girls, so all of kind of her grand daughters or, or girls of about that age in the family yeah she says it's Bao Chai she likes the best um, mm. and then so Aunt Xue i.e. Bao Chai's mother whose presence says oh no I'm sure you don't mean that I'm sure you're just being polite but then Lady Wang intervenes and says no really I promise you I've heard her speak in private and she really does <laughs> she really does like Bao Chai the best so the point is really driven home there <laughs> um, it's evident just how much Bao Yu's comment has backfired so in this slightly awkward moment, a servant enters uh, and announces that lunch is served. Um, and so everybody leaves Baoyu, 
So Grandmother Jia and others get up to return, to leave the garden and return to the, to the mansion. The, the idea is he's still too injured that he, um, you know, they're going to eat without him and he'll take his meal uh, in his chambers. Yep. So as they're leaving, as they are leaving, Aroma reminds Bayou that he was going to ask Bao Chai if her maid, Oriole, would come around later and do some, some like braiding, knotting, basically, you know? So mm -hmm. broadly, like tying threads together in particular, like patterns or shapes. Yeah. Kind of a decorative um, handicraft. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so Bao Yu does indeed ask, and Bao Chai agrees to send her over later. So the, the so they they the party who was previously at Bao Yu's in Bao Yu's room they set off back through the garden, and they um, seeing that Grandmother Jia is quite tired, Lady Wang suggests that they stop in her chambers, in, in Lady Wang's chambers that is, and take lunch there basically, uh, and so indeed they do, uh, and various others are in attendance. So like Bao Chai and. Xiang Yun and Li Wan, um, um, and this is the scene where um, Grandmother Jia, Lady Wang, and others sit and eat. And for some reason, Xi Feng, rather than sitting and eating with them, waits on them instead, like a servant. And we've seen this before. This seems to be part of the custom, right? Okay. Where um, it, it's not entirely. It, it's it's kind of a a ritual demonstration of um like uh rank um and so so shifang is in the lower generation and so she has to uh, serve them first it's kind of like ceremonially and then maybe later she'll have her her meal there is mention that a number of the um the how the extended household um doesn't show up right so um Ying Chun doesn't come. Dai Yu doesn't come, as we mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's the point about, you know, she abstained so frequently that her absence was scarcely noticed. Um, uh, and yeah, Xi Feng kind of lays the table for them and then and then sits on them and waits while they while they eat. Mm -hmm. uh, and so while they are eating, Xi Feng also um, pulls together some food for Bao Yu to eat. And... Because Oriel, i.e. Bao Chai's maid, is heading over in that direction to help with this braiding, um, uh, she and another one of the maidservants, Silver, one of Lady Wang's maidservants, together carry the food over. Um, Oriel was already going over, so they're, they're thinking, yeah. well, you know, why not one bird, two stones? And so they... Literally. They, they, or, yeah, okay. They, okay. they head over, <laughs> carrying this... Um, uh, carrying this food, um, uh, and when they arrive there, they find um, Bao Yu in kind of conversation with his three maids, Aroma, Musk, and Ripple. Um, you know, there's a really funny detail, though, that actually the maids don't take the soup over themselves. They find, uh, like, basically some older, some older maids uh, to carry the yeah. soup for them. I thought that was kind of an interesting, uh, again, that, you know, these, these hierarchies have this like symbolic status, but then the reality is kind of, uh, uh, in, interacts with, but diverges from that symbolism. The maids like quote unquote took it over, but actually they redirected that labor to 
lower status maids. Uh, exactly. They you know. they they subcontracted it basically. Yes. They they supervised the performance of the labor by someone else. It's kind of a it's a little detail, but yeah. So as you were saying though, um, they find Aroma Musk and Ripple mm-hmm. uh, joking around with Bao Yu. And so this is the first time I think that Bao Yu has seen Silver since uh, the incident uh, with Golden, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so Bao Yu is like really, uh, he's feeling remorseful. Yeah. And and Silver is conversely, she's she's even disgruntled. Yeah, she's I'm almost the word for it. Yeah, she's almost kind of like, defiant. You know, mm-hmm. um, visibly uh, discontented. There's this there's this minor detail where when they arrive, Oriel is she does as as a servant does and remains standing, um, even when offered a seat. Mm-hmm. Whereas Silver sits down immediately without even being offered a, a seat. And I suppose that's maybe this kind of breach of, of normal protocol is um Oh yeah, for sure. Is a representation of her yeah, her her attitude here. Um just a scene before we saw the yeah the the, the issue with like you know even even Shifeng was standing during the meal. Mm-hmm. This is sort of a a nexus whether to stand whether to sit whether to kneel whether to uh, and as we're going to see the question of um, whether to feed somebody is also yeah uh, fraught with uh, significance. And so even though um, Baoyu had sent for. Or Oriel to come over and help with this braiding. All of his attention is focused on Silver because I think he's mm-hmm. so keen to be kind of um, solicitous and um, mm-hmm. he's like, overcompensating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's trying to lavish her with attention, um, uh, and so I think Oriel is actually slightly put out that she's made this journey over and he's basically ignoring her. Um, but luckily, Aroma whisks her away into another room and they sit and have tea and discuss for a bit. And even though the other maids, Musk and Ripple, have laid out chopsticks and cutlery, yeah, crockery for for Bayou to eat out of, he's ignoring them as well and just focusing on silver. He also seems to he tries to uh, empty the room of other servants. This is kind of a uh, a recurring theme in this story, in this novel, where uh, there there's so many people just like floating about at any point in time like actually uh, gaining some privacy is a matter of some like kind of a careful, you know, like footwork, you know what I mean? Mm. It's a little bit challenging to like find the, uh, like a, the proper pretense for being alone with anybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But he, he does that in this scene with silver. Um, and, and he's like, he's really being friendly to her. Um, and, and she's like slowly, uh, like her her guard is is cracking. What, what's the expression? Yeah, um, her her, uh, her shield. Her... Yeah, her kind of defenses are gradually kind of crumbling under this. There we go. This yeah. barrage of um, <laughs> of uh, charm from him, I suppose. Yeah. Um, he, uh... And he sees the yeah the her defensiveness begin to sort of subside slightly, and he seizes mm-hmm. the opportunity. Um, you know. To do something inappropriate. 